Hey, everybody. What's up? Oh, this feels weird. Yes, the ceiling. It is. The ceiling is up. I know. This is what happens when you keep high schoolers in the meeting. You say what's up, and they say the ceiling. I'm just uh, It's good to be back here. It's good to be around you guys. This, this is uh, probably more for me. I don't want to sound selfish, but this is probably more for me than it is for you. Um, and I say that in a good way. Uh, but, man, what a, what a cool thing to have friends and have people that... Um, you know, call you at the right time when you don't want to be called, when you're when you're uh, fully embracing your yuck, and and say, hey, come on, you're coming to Ohio, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I told my wife, I'm like, I'm not going. You know, like a little kid throwing a fit. And uh, this has been food for my soul and just a really good healing experience to be with great friends. And like Aaron said. Uh, I can be myself, I can be honest, all those things, and not get judged by the ministry machine, you know, and that's rare, I don't, I don't I've been in full-time church ministry up until eight months ago, I've been in full-time ministry for 21 years, and um, I can tell you it's rare to have a group of real people that you cannot offend with the truth of your life, and they'll look you right in your eyes, and they'll tell you, well, I know who you are, so let me let me repeat it back to you, so you remember, you know, like that kind of stuff, that is priceless, it is rare, unfortunately rare, right, like it should be the norm across the board in churches all over our country, um, but what you have here, and what you guys are doing, your team that you have here, the family that's here, it's beautiful, it's really beautiful, and uh, sometimes you live with something, and you forget the value of it just a little bit, right? The shine wears off because you're here all the time. Well, I'm coming from the outside to remind you of the shine that's here, like the beauty that's here. The Let's just say this. I've traveled the world, and it is very rare to see a church that says 100% of today's offering is not going to this building right here, you know? That's rare on its own. So just what you guys are doing here, the heart of this house it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's refreshing, it's good, and uh, I'm just thankful to be here. So anyway, I want you guys to do something with me real quick. Oh, by the way, worship was awesome. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love your heart and worship. I actually got, it was really cool to see the way you two are together on the stage. Just the little, like, you know, nonverbal communication, the little looks and stuff of encouragement and just strength that you guys share. It was really, really good to see. I love it. I don't know if other people pick up on it, but I was sitting there and I was like, oh, that's a fun little thing they've got going there. So, yay you. Um, oh, but please do something with me. Um, my wife, Lacey's not here. She loves you guys. She misses you guys. She would give you all a hug, uh, but she's watching. So um, I don't know where, there, that right there. See those little blue lights? Let's everybody turn around and say hi to Lacey. Hey, babe. Good morning. We have a little farm, uh, a little farm, because I know in, here in Ohio, people have big farms. <laughs> We have 30 acres. It's like a blip of a farm compared to some of the farms around here. But we love it, uh, and we've been building it slowly. And so she was doing my farm chores, in which there's different farm chores, chores for me and her. And um, she went to lift the like the big waterer over the electric fence, and her back went out. So she's hurting at home. So if you remember, please say a prayer for Lacey uh, that her back would get fixed because that would be really good, Jesus. And um, All right, you want to jump in? Can we jump in? Good. You guys are a little quiet. It makes me nervous. When people are quiet, I talk more. So if you want to have lunch today, (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, it's good to be here. It's really, really good to be here. Feels good. Everybody, just stop. Let's just stop for a minute. Quit hearing me talk. Let's just um, let's put our awareness on Holy Spirit. good place to be. Your awareness is on what God's doing. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, since this is family and, oh, there's my knee, and I feel comfortable here, and uh, I know you guys are into real and raw, and you you don't want the fixed up church thing, you know, where everything's packaged nicely with a bow, but it's open it up and the present is worth nothing inside, right? But it's cute, you know? I know you guys don't like that, so I feel good because I get to be me, and I get to be me with you, and so I'm just going to be honest with you uh, with um, just like this journey that, I don't even want to call it a journey, this thing that I, I've been on, and uh, and I feel like the Lord wanted me to share it. I haven't shared it anywhere because uh, this is the first time I've spoke in eight months, I think, which I was speaking four or five times a week for the last it feels like a hundred years, but I'm not that old. So, um, so for for eight months now, my wife and I have not been in full time church ministry, um, but we've just been living our life and working and doing things. And so I haven't sh- I haven't really shared anywhere. I shared one place, a friend's school in Florida, and that felt weird. And now I'm here. So I'm gonna be honest with you because I feel like there's some keys and some encouragement in what I've recently discovered with the Lord. Um. And I want to share here because I don't know that people talk about this stuff a lot. So, uh, like I said, we've been in full-time church ministry for 21 years. We've seen it all, you know. Hey, what are you doing? Hi. <laughs> Sorry. You see old friends and you're like, what? <laughs> old friends from Northern California. And I forgot you live here. Of course you do. That's awesome. Jackie. So. That's funny. Oh, fun. Hi. I hope you're good. Yay. I'll say hi after. Uh so anyway, um, and we've experienced it all, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, you know, and we've just, we've just, one of the things we've tried to keep is we want to keep our authenticity, and we just don't want to bow to the ministry machine, you know, the thing, that thing will eat you up, spit you out, and move on to the next, and everybody say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, yay, brother, you know, like, uh, hey, I'm great, you know, <laughs> and you're just supposed to take it, and so uh, we've been through it, we've seen it all, um, but, uh, you know, a, a, about eight months ago, we stepped down from our full-time role with some, really some of our best friends. And um, it was a horrible experience. And I walked out, the only way I can excri- describe it is I walked out with a knife in my back and felt complete betrayal. And that was what we experienced. I'm sure they experienced their own thing. But what we experienced was I was bleeding out, complete betrayal, and literally went from one day doing, you know, 21 years of full-time ministry to walking out, and then where are all those people? Like hundreds of people that you see every week in your point, where are all of them? Because the phone went silent, the, you know, (laughs) all the stuff, and it did something to me that I hadn't, I hadn't really, oh God, see, I haven't also haven't been emotional for eight months, and now I'm going to get emotional this morning. I've been holding it together, guys. <laughs> but this is me. I cry every time I speak. Um, anyway, so we walked out, and, and I was just seriously hurt. 
And um, really, the thing that I grabbed a hold of is I didn't want to be hurt falling apart. And so the thing I grabbed a hold of that felt like strength at the time was I started getting angry. And so I just I just held on to anger. And, uh, you know, people would always tell me, oh, you need to forgive him. I'm like, I've forgiven. I forgive him. I've forgiven him 100 times. I've forgiven 200 times as of this morning. 300 times this afternoon, right? Like, you're, they're forgiven, you know? And you're like, sounds like it. <laughs> sounds exactly like it. That's what that's what that sounds like, huh? <laughs> and uh, But anyway, I'm making light of it. But so just, just really uh, started getting angry. Um, you know, the, the Lord's goodness is there through the whole thing, whether you want to look at it or not, or you plug your ears and like a little kid, like, blah, 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 I don't want to hear it. You know, that's kind of how I've been for eight months. And, um, and we walked out of this thing limping, very, very real limping too. I have a knee that's blown out, right? And uh, the doctor took x-rays and, and the person who read the x-rays asked my doctor, uh, is this patient still walking? And we're trudging through the woods. I'm climbing the stuff. It was awesome. But anyway, it's just the grace of God. And um, so walked out limping, walked out hurting, and um, did the exact opposite of everything I taught for 21 years of what you should do with your heart and everything. I just closed everything off. And I felt, I didn't just feel betrayed by the church, but I also felt like, God, where were you in this? Because this was a huge move for my family from, we're crazy. We went from California to Georgia, Georgia back to a different part of California, and then California back to Georgia, right? Like, that's been our 21-year crazy. And so I'm like, where were you in this? We moved the whole family, my son, his senior year, like, all this stuff. And I can, now I can, now I can look back and see all the blessings and all the little road marks through this that God was doing amazing stuff for my kids and all this stuff, right? Like, beautiful stuff. We moved, my, we moved our kids, and my oldest son, Oren, he, so this is fun. We, we moved to California. We did four years there, and then moved, moved back to Georgia. Well, in that four years, my oldest son, Oren, met his wife. They got married, and so then they moved with us to Georgia. So that's like a massive one, right? Because you could go, well, what was that? That four years, was that a waste of time too? Because that, you know what I mean? And I can look at these things. That's one thing of a ton of things. And like the relationships we built and the people that, well, it was just beautiful, right? And so I have these things, but at the, in those eight months, I wasn't looking at any of those. And, and not looking at them made me not able to see them after a while. And I just started seeing the things that were making me more and more angry inside and the things that were just eating me up. And so now I can look and be like, that was beautiful. Even if it was only for my son to find his bride, that was beautiful, right? We moved to Georgia, and my, and my younger son, Judah, who's now 19, weird. You guys, some of you that know him, he's now this tall. He's, he's not as tall as you, but he's like right there, man. And it's weird because I'm the tallest person in my family. And I'm like, Lord, where did that come from? He got all the height I never got. Like, you just, like, skipped an entire generation there, Jesus, and gave it all to him. Is that fair? Anyway, uh, I told him, uh, look, you can be taller than me the rest of your life, but don't ever look down on me, Judah. He's like, I won't, Dad. But, uh, so we moved him his senior year. He's like a football player. He'd been playing varsity football from sophomore year up. He's a receiver. He's really good. We move him. We come to the team in Georgia. The coach says, yeah, come on, be on the team, and then come to find out he's got 106 kids on the team. He's known half of them since they were six years old. Judah's the new guy. He's, he outperforms the other guy, like, majorly as a receiver, and the coach just pretty much tells him, look, I've been coaching this kid since he was six, and so you're just not going to play this year, senior year. So he ends up, Dad, I don't, I'm not a quitter. I don't want to quit, but they don't even want me here, and I don't even know these guys. Is it okay to step off a team that you're not even a part of? And I just told him, Judah, it's, it's one thing to be 
a part of a team and wanted and ride the bench and cheer everybody on but when they're telling you they don't even want you there and you have no there's no relational equity and there's no time served and no one's pouring into you and you haven't been a part of this it's not quitting it's just refocusing right at that point like okay this isn't for me so he refocuses you know it's 2020 hit and they're doing you know all the things that we all went through with the going to school virtually and doing all this stuff he decides, I want to learn how to make music on the computer. I want to, I want to learn how to produce music. So he buys his own computer. He starts making music. An artist contacts him through a friend of a friend. Says, hey, can you look at this song? We can't get the timing right. He fixes it for him, sends it right back to him. Well, that artist has these connections. And so he says, hey, I want you to start producing for me. So he, oh, cool. So he starts meeting with these guys. He never even really listened to R&B music, and he's producing R&B music. He's, he had to, like, listen to R&B music to try to figure out, like, how it's supposed to sound. And so he's, he starts producing R&B music for this guy. And just a year ago, in it, Atlanta, because I'm like, you know, we moved our kids across the country. Him on his senior year, he loves football. All his friends on the team are back in California. All the people that they got connected to are back in California. We're starting over again. It feels horrible. The only reason we did it really is because he said, let's go now. I just feel like the Lord's on this. Let's go now. And we're like, okay, let's go. And so I'm feeling like, man, you know, it's this wrecked part of my son's life. Well, he ends up getting signed on a huge label in Atlanta, and now he's a signed music producer in Atlanta, 19 years old. He just learned how to make music in 2020, and now he's making it professionally, right? So there's, I tell you that because there's things that God was doing, but this last eight months, I have not been able to see any of them. And they hadn't felt like blessings. That it just felt like everything smelled rotten, right? Everything felt yucky, and I was angry. And so I'm angry at God. I'm trudging through this. Uh, literally, the day we step, day after we stepped down, I got two jobs like that, right? And so I can now look back and go, man, some people really like have to hit the pavement and struggle hard to find one job. I got two jobs handed to me immediately, right? And so. I've been working full-time, you know, up at five and done at eight, and uh, so it's, I guess that's a little more than full-time, but uh, two different jobs. I'm a, I'm a a project manager for a remodeling company, and then, um, and then during the day, my day job is I do uh, commercial wall coverings, so wallpaper and all that kind of stuff in big hotels and Google and Microsoft and all these places, right? And so these two jobs just hand. I've never touched a piece of wallpaper in my life. And now I'm a, I'm a wallpaper installer. That's what I do every single day. We just got Georgia World Congress Center, 976 hotel rooms and bathrooms, and we just got that job. And so <laughs> the name of the game is put up as much wallpaper in a day as you possibly can because we have 976 rooms to do, 34 floors of rooms. And I'm like, we're on floor six, and we're like, uh, <laughs> but it's awesome. Um, <laughs> now I can look at that and I'm like, this is huge. This is a blessing, Lord. But the, I, I want to talk about this because I think it's something that we deal with and I don't think we always talk about the ugly, right? I may, here you probably do. Um, but I'm someone who I, I've always dealt with depression in either a very mild way or sometimes it hits hard. And when, when, when I, I'm in a good place, it's been something that, the Lord walks with me through. Um, it's been a beautiful discovery with him. Uh, there's been some really hard times that he's definitely brought me out of. Um, but this last eight months, I was just like, nope, I'm doing this on my own, right? I got my own two jobs. I'm not doing ministry. People will be like, when do you start speaking again? I said, never again. I'm not going to ever speak again. Here I am. I'm never going to speak again. And they're like, oh, come on. I'm like, no, I'm not joking. I'm not speaking again. I'm not walking back into the church. I'm not doing any of it. I love the local church. I'm like, I'm done. 
I'm like a little kid with my fingers in my ears going, I can't hear you. And I'm just like having my temper tantrum. And people will be like, well, are, are you going to start something at your house? Like, are you going to start having gatherings at the house? And my heart just kept screaming out, I just need more time. Why can't I just have time? Why won't anyone just give me time? Like, I give people time all the time to walk through healing. I counsel people in the office for 20 years, you know, counseling people in your office and giving them time and letting them talk and letting them walk through the process, never wanting to assimilate the process for them because then who's their savior? The person that's giving them the steps to do is the, right? And you're the one walking them through. And then what are you doing? You're creating attachment to you and they need you in order to walk forward. But if you give them time and just let them meet Jesus in that place and watch this beautiful thing happen. And so then people are like, well, when are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? And I'm like, my heart's screaming out, I just want time. I just want to be in an ugly place and be okay with it for a little while. Like, right, right? I was like, I, I deserve to at least be here for a little bit, right? Like, I let me be ugly for a little while. And I'm just plugging my ears and yelling. Well, that whole course of things, and I know better, right? I know better. I've taught this stuff. Like, this is what we do, right? Like, get on your face before the Lord and just let him have it. And I'm like, nope, not happening. I'm going to be better off without that. <laughs> How's that working out for you, Scott? I'm fine. Going to work, right? Like, get me there. I'm going to put up wallpaper today. <laughs> like, put my headphones in. La, 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 la. I'm, I'm doing fine. People would ask how I'm doing. Better than ever. And they're like, oh, it sounds like it. That's awesome. And I'm telling you, in this eight months, everything I've touched has failed to some extent. And I'm like, it just made me more angry. And I'd be like, you know, Lord, what happened to, and their clothes didn't wear out, right? And everything was like blessed. And like, what happened to that? Now you're mad at me too. I can't have any time to just process. I wasn't processing. I was just holding it all inside. And I'm making a joke of it, but it got to a place where, it was really, really ugly. And I'll tell you what happens. This is what happens. So his mercies are new every morning, right? His grace is sufficient. He causes his grace to abound in you, the Bible says, right? The thing that we forget, because there's two camps. There's the, the religious camp that doesn't want to look at those verses and actually agree that that's something that happens in us daily and it's this walk and you get to enjoy his grace and his mercy every day, right? There's the religious camp that wants to beat you over the head with the Bible and everybody's bad and everybody's gross. And then there's the other side and it is everything's happy and everything's nice and his grace. And, but I think we forget this. You have a choice of whether or not to receive what he has. See, God is not forceful, but God's a gentleman. God is gentle. God is kind. He is not forceful. He's patient. Like, he's patient. He has all the time in the world and then some. He lives in eternity. We live in day to day. We're like, I got eight hours left, right? And he's like, I got eternity, so I'll be here just waiting for you. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, keep waiting, pal. I got all day, you know? And so God's, God's patient. But his grace and his mercy is something we choose and receive and live in. But when we don't choose and receive and live in it, we actually start to experience the opposite, not because he's withholding from us, but because we're actively not receiving what he has for us. If I held, I was going to, I don't have any keys, but if I held out the keys to my car and said, you can drive this, 
we could sit here all day until you take the keys out of my hand. You're not driving the car, right? Like you could try everything you wanted. You could sit there, but that car is not going anywhere with you in it until you take the keys. And God is so patient and kind with us that he stands here and he's like, hey, you look like you're hurting. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. This is what I got for you. He's like, I got this on my own. I'm out there. We, we got this massive 70 by 70 garden that we started this year. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to work in the garden. I'm out there getting blisters and work. And we plant plants. And we had this crazy weather come in Georgia. And we had a week of 90 degrees out of nowhere. Killed all the plants while I was at work. And I'm like, ah, what happened to their clothes won't even wear out. You know, I'm like, gosh, even God's turned his back on me the whole time. He's like waiting patiently. And depression started to really set in again. I wasn't sharing with anybody. I know better. I know better. I wasn't sharing with anyone. Keeping it to myself. People would ask how I'm doing. Doing great. Given all the church answers that I didn't think I learned because I tried to stay real. I tried to stay raw. I tried to stay honest. But just started giving all the church answers. Doing great. Doing great. whole time I have this massive sore, this, this wound inside, and I'm just expecting it to kind of fix itself, and I just keep moving forward. Pretty soon all I can see is the bad. So it's not, I'm, I, I am a man of the testimony. I've spent the last 21 years, if I did anything, it was sharing the goodness and the testimony of who he is. And now all I'm seeing is bad, right? Atlanta traffic. And I'm like, get out of the way! Honking the horn, like cutting people off. And my wife's like, you are crazy. You, you drive like, I'm like, it's because I drive in Atlanta every day. She's like, well, you're not in Atlanta right now. We're in Sonoy. We have this sleepy little town we live in. You're in Sonoy and you're cutting people off, honey. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Ugh. everything was ugly. This is the thing. His grace and his mercy from his kindness renew themselves every morning for you. His mercy is new every morning. He's got ample amounts of it. It's, it's completely sufficient for you every single day. It's not like here's your stipend, gives it to you on Monday, and he's like, make that last the rest of the week. It's just enough. No, every single day he pours his mercy out on us. Every day, his grace is meant to abound in us. But I was actively choosing not to participate in that. So what I started to experience was toil. Toil was introduced in the garden. When everything went from working well together, this perfect system, to now you're going to work the land. There's going to be weeds. There's going to be thorns. There's going to be rocks. The sun scorches, right? So now this is what you've walked into. Toil was part of the original curse, it's not meant for us. We're not built to live in toil. We're built to live in abundance. This is what we're called to. So I started experiencing toil, and I started experiencing disappointment, and then I started experiencing shame, and then I started feeling guilty for what my family is going through, right? Because, like, I could have done something different. And then I start to experience more shame because of my guilt that I'm experiencing. And then more anger because I'm like, well, that's enough of this, you know? And I'm starting to get more. And this is the cyclical, the, the repeating pattern that I'm experiencing on a daily basis. Why? Because when I denied myself, God's not denying me anything. When I deny myself His grace and His mercy, I, I start to experience the only thing I can stir up from the dirt myself, and it's toil and it's working my hands, and it's getting blisters, you know, not, it, it, it's, it's one thing to work hard and get blisters, but it's another thing to form blisters from your own, you know, ignorant 
go at trying to, I'm going to do this on my own, God. You are not made to go it alone. You're made to be in community, and you're made to be receiving from him in every day. And I'll take it this far, in every moment of every day. And so I'm experiencing these things, and it's guilt, and it's shame, and it's disappointment, and it's betrayal, and it's all these things, and I feel justified in it because I'm hurt. And I got hurt, so now I'm justified in my hurt, and so I keep walking. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, in fact, one of, the, one of the big moments was, you know, Lacey got really honest with me. She's having her own hard time, right? I mean, we, we went through some rough stuff with what was supposed to be friends, right? You let your guard down around friends. And it was, it was like, I let my guard down, and this is what happened. And so she's experiencing her own stuff, and she's got to deal with me. And so we were sitting out by our little fire pit, and I remember my wife looking at me, and she's like, something's got to change. She's like, you are not the same person. You're changing, and it's, it's, a, it's happening fast, but you're changing, and this isn't you. You have to do something about this. She looked me in the eyes, super serious. She's like, you have to do something about this right now. And I said out loud, I just need time. Like, that's what my heart was screaming for, right? I just need time. And she goes, no, you need to do something. Serious as could be. And I was so mad about that. Oh, even my wife won't give me time to just be angry and out of control, you know, like a child. Like, I, I've taught this stuff. And um, the craziest timing was Aaron had just invited me here and lured me with turkey hunting because he's, <laughs> these guys are pretty brilliant. I don't know if they hide it from you, but they know what they're doing. And so they lured me in with, hey, let's just go out to the cabin. You'll do some turkey hunting, and then Sunday you can speak at the church. And I was like, oh, I want to go turkey hunting with them. I want to be around friends right now because I felt like, okay, I, I actually need this. My wife, that was convicting when she said that to me. But I'm like, oh, man. I mean, I was telling everybody, I'm, I'm never going to speak again. My life is, well, we did that. That was a season, 20-whatever years, and now we're doing this, right? We're building a farm. The Lord's on it. There's grace on it. There's mercy on it. It's beautiful. Regenerative agriculture, growing really healthy food. We just got our, this is the weird thing, is in that process, I wasn't seeing it. We just got our nonprofit the week before I came here for the farm. So we get to grow really good, really healthy, beyond organic food for people that can't afford to go and buy it in the really good, really healthy stores because, you know, some of them take your entire check to <laughs> whole check, not whole foods, right? And, uh, and you can't do that. So we're like, you know what? We're going to beat the system, and we'll just grow a ton of food for people that can't do it themselves, and then we'll get gardens established for people, and we'll supply plants to them, and we're just going to, like, make this, like, good food initiative happen with or without big corporations, right? Like, we're just going to do it. And then we're going to involve the foster system in it, and so we're going to have all the foster system come to the farm, and the kids will get to, you know, work with the animals and work in the garden, and they'll get to learn stuff, and it's like, we're just like, this is the vision. Like, this is our new ministry life. It's not in the church. It's outside of the church and we're going to get people to come to the farm that would never step in the church and I think we want to get some veterans involved and just do some stuff for people to get healed up, right? And so we got that last week and all this stuff but these guys called me and convinced me to come here and then my, I got another friend, Lee who I really only hung out with once in real life uh, but always have text or he calls me. This is the guy that like, you know, I have one bad day I haven't talked to him in two years and the phone rings and it says Lee and I'm like, oh my goodness, how does he do this? And I answer and he's like, bro, what's going on? The Lord told me to call you. <laughs> so he'd been calling me this whole eight months, and I'm like, oh, 
you know, just wearing me down. And he said, you got to come to this men's retreat with me. I've been to one men's retreat. I hated it in 21 years of full-time ministry. I've been to one men's retreat. I hated it. It was the most fake, weird, competitive, ego-filled thing. And I was like, good Lord, are you serious? We came out to the middle of nowhere with no electricity, which I don't mind that, to deal with this. I'm like, good Lord. So I never wanted to go to another men's retreat. I don't know if anybody else is there with me. I'm sure you have great men's retreats here and probably great women's retreats, great women's group. But me personally, I was like, Bleh. And so he's like, you got to come to this men's retreat. It was like someone saying, you should go to the DMV and spend the, uh, do you, is it DMV here? Department of Motor Vehicles where you get your tags and all that. You should go to the DMV and spend the whole day there. Don't even grab a number, just stay. I'm like, sounds fun, I'll go. And uh, <laughs> you should come to this men's retreat. I promise this message is going to end soon. Um, but so I'm like, oh, I don't know. I had every reason not to. Oh, I can't take off work. Dude, we're barely, barely scraping the barrel here to get by. I just can't do it, man. It's just the wrong time. You got to come to the men's retreat. You got to come to the men's retreat. These guys that put it on, is like Bob Jones's spiritual son, a guy named Brad McClendon, awesome dude, and Randy, all these guys, right? They're like, it's 32 dudes that have been in full-time ministry most of their lives. They've been chewed up and spit out by the ministry machine. And I'm like, oh, so it's just going to be a complaining, like, right? It's the who got it worst fest. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. But Lee's not like that. He's super real. He always tells me, I don't want anything from you. I don't need anything from you. Just called to tell you I love you. And I'm like, wow. And so, like these guys. And so I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go. I don't want to do all that. And then I start hearing, oh, these guys are super serious too, super prophetic. And they'll just, I mean, they're, they're going to slap the baloney off you, right? All that stuff you're dealing with, they're just going to be like, get your head out of the sand. Probably use different words. But um, I was like, I don't want to go. I don't need anybody telling me anymore. I just need time. And so for four months, he's whittling me down saying, you got to go. You got to go. You got to call Brad. Tell him you want to go. Call Brad. Tell him you want to go. Call Brad. And I'm like, yeah, I'll call him. I'll call him. Oh, I got too busy yesterday. Four months of this every day. Did you call Brad? Did you call Brad? Leave him voicemails. Text me. Yeah, yeah, I'll call him tomorrow. Four months. Finally, the Friday before the retreat, he's like, bro, you haven't called Brad yet. He just told me. He's never talked to you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, sorry. I guess it's too late, right? He's like, no. He said, you need to call him today. It's up at Moravian Falls, North Carolina at the old uh, Morningstar Retreat Center up in the Moravian Falls where the wrestling angels are up there and all this stuff, right? I've heard stories my whole life. And I'm like, I don't want to go to this. I'm sitting there putting up wallpaper, and they keep calling me. And I'm like, I just need to put up wallpaper. Leave me alone. And finally, he's like, call Brad now. I'm like, I got to. He's like, call Brad now. You're talking to me while you're putting up wallpaper. Call Brad now. Tell him you want to go. And I'm thinking, but I don't want to go. Why would I lie? That's one thing I've held on to. I might be angry. I might be, you know, wallowing in my own pity, but I don't want to lie because at least I got that left, right? Like that's my one tie to Christianity right now. No, that's not true, but I don't lie. That part's true, but it wasn't my one tie. And so I finally, I just, I just like, all right, it's going to be too late. It's Friday, right? And so I'm like, fine, I'll call him. Hey, man, uh, sorry I didn't call you. I feel real bad, right? Just giving him the... Yeah, should have called you earlier. Understand if it's too late. He goes, yeah, man, talk about cutting it right to the wire. He's like, I've been holding the room for you, hoping you'd call. And I'm like, no. And so long story short, I end up going to this men's retreat last weekend. Yes, last weekend in North Carolina. I thought I could still get out of it. What if my tire went flat or I got called in to work, right? Well, I, I'm subcontracted. I can work every day of my life if I want to, and sometimes I do. And so I'm like, I, you know, I got called in to work. Who called you in? Me. I called myself in to work. It was 
I'm really responsible, so I had to be there. And so I'm thinking, and then my friend Lee's like, hey, I'm flying into Charlotte. I'm not renting a car now. You're coming to pick me up at the airport. We'll drive the last hour together. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, I could have I backed out of this last second and been like, you guys are so great. Thank you for the opportunity. I wish I could be there. I'm going to miss out. And so now I'm stuck. So I go to this thing, and God lured me away to the mountains of North Carolina, put me with 32 dudes. It was an ego-free zone. It was a baloney-free zone. 32 dudes that were just raw and honest had been through it, and it wasn't a complaining fest. It was a look me in the eyes, and I will tell you about the goodness of God because I've been there before, and I know what you're experiencing, and I can see it on you, and I try to run, and so this is what happened. This is the last story, and then we're going to move into just a verse, and then we're going to pray, but I'm sitting in the chair just like this guy, half his height, and I'm just, I haven't been in eight months. I have not sat, I sat in one worship service and it's because my father-in-law talked me into going to church with him and I'm like dang it so I sat I, I literally stood like this through all of worship just watching and I'm thinking this is what I used to do and the guy gets up to do transition he's like hey brothers and I'm like that used to be me oh my gosh you know I'm embarrassed watching it I'm like why was I ever involved in this just yuck right and so then I'm at this men's retreat and worship starts and I'm like I don't want to be here worship starts and they literally start singing songs from the beginning of me getting saved in the year 2000 you know and they just kept going through it was like this journey of my salvation each song was a progression up to pretty much today and I'm sitting there and I start crying but then I start downward spiraling and I'm I'm just getting mad and then I'm getting mad about myself and then I'm heaping all this judgment on myself and the guy walks up one of the main guys walks up and puts his hand on me and prays for me and I'm like here it goes he's gonna tell me I'm an idiot get your head out of the sand right what are you doing you know better and I'm like here it goes and he just stood there for 10 minutes praying for me while I cried never said a word and then he walked off and I thought well that was easy you know <laughs> I didn't have to answer any questions I didn't have to be like open and honest with people and then uh, about 30 seconds goes by and I look up and him and Brad both of them are walking towards me like this and I'm like this is what I thought. My dad, when, when my parents were together, my dad used to work all day, and then when he got home, my mom would tell him all the things I didn't do <laughs> or did do, and he'd spank me with the belt, right? Because that's what, that's what I was a, I was a good little boy, but I got spanked a lot. And so this is the thing. If you moved, you got spanked more, right? That was the rule. Don't move. You get spanked more. So I knew you just had to stand there and take it because if you stood there and took it, even though it wasn't fun, it would be shorter than if you squirmed and tried to get away from it, then you're going to get spanked a lot more, and the belt misses and hits you in place like the back of your leg, right? So I should have said trigger warning probably before I talked about that, but <laughs> look, we survived, so, and we're here now. This is safe. So I see these guys walking out me, and I literally, that flashed in my mind, and I said, I told myself, I said it under my breath out loud. I said, just sit here and take it, because I thought they're going to come up to me and be like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You're ruining your family. You're ruining your marriage. You're, ru you're running from God. Da, 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 judge me. And I was like, here we go. So I just looked up at him. I sat back in the chair. I stared at him. Someone comes from the side with a huge tub of water and sets it at my feet. And these guys just sat there, got on their knees, and washed my feet. And all these dudes, I'm trying to stay out of this group. And all 32 of these dudes come around me and start praying for me as they wash my feet. And it broke all of that anger, all of that gross, all of that locked up broke right there. I had snot coming out every hole in my face. <laughs> Tear ducts, ears, obviously nose. I don't want to say mouth because that's just gross. 
Like, like coming out your ears isn't gross, but no, that just, I don't want to do that there. And so I'm crying, so viciously crying. This stuff is just pouring out of me. And I just couldn't stop saying it, but I just kept saying out loud, I don't understand the kindness. I wasn't saying it to them. I was saying it to God. I don't understand the kindness. I don't understand the kindness. I don't understand. I've experienced his kindness since I got saved. I've experienced the kindness of the Lord since I got saved. But I shut myself off because I got hurt. And I started judging myself, and I started judging the Lord. And I was holding him accountable for what people had done to me. I was holding the Lord guilty for what people had done to me. And it had caused a place for me to go in my heart that was unhealthy. It started to change who I was. And I turned into an angry, not the person standing in front of you right now, up until last week. And he lured me away to the mountains. He gave me time. He gave me time. No one else would give me time. My wife gave me time. But no one else would give me time. And he gave me time. And he waited patiently. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And I've preached it for 20-something years, and he gave me time. And I sat there in my depression, and he waited patiently for me. Just a glance. I didn't even glance at him. I didn't even glance at him. I said yes to meeting some dudes out in the mountains. I didn't even say yes to the Lord. I thought, I'll go. Fine, I'm stuck. And he took whatever opportunity he could to meet me right there, and he poured out on me. And then they prophesied over, I've got the recording, they prophesied over me for 40 minutes. Just all these words of who I know that I am. These guys never met me before. And they prophesied the truth of who I know that I am. Down to the angel that accompanies, a healing angel that's been with me for 20-something years that accompanies me on my left side, which I know because my left hand gets heated up when I pray for people. And that's the hand I pray for people with. Not my right hand, my left hand. I'm left-handed. And this angel, and he says, you have an angel and you have, you have uh, dismissed that angel, but it's just waiting patiently for you to invite it back. And I'm like, oh, just gutted me, right? Prophesying. The last guy says, you play the guitar? And I'm like, no, I've got words my whole life that I should play the guitar. And, and he's like, why don't you play the guitar? Have you ever owned a guitar? I'm like, my dad gave me a guitar once. He never gave me anything before. I didn't really have a relationship with him. The youth group, when I was a youth pastor, needed a guitar, an electric guitar. He gave me an acoustic guitar. So I took that guitar to the guitar shop, and I traded it in for this cheap $200 bright red electric guitar. And uh Two days later, my dad, my dad doesn't call me. Two days later after that, my dad calls me. He's like, hey, you still have that guitar, right? And I'm like, well, funny story. Uh, so the youth group needed a guitar. Felt like the Lord. I went down and traded it in for an electric guitar. He said, what kind of guitar did you get? And I said, oh, you know, it was like a $200 starter, but bright red. Kids love it. And he's like, you, you traded that guitar for, it, for a $200 guitar. He said that was one of 250 guitars made in 1977. He's like... I saved so much money for that guitar. Today, that guitar is worth thousands of dollars. That's why I gave it to you. You failed to mention that. That's a bummer. I went back to the guitar shop. They never checked it into the inventory. The owner took it home that night because he, he, he knew what he had. And uh, so I lost that guitar. That was when I was a youth pastor 18 years ago, I think. It, and I never, I never pursued guitar after that. I felt kind of shameful about that. And just really, guitar seems hard to learn. So I just never did it. And uh, the last guy that prophesied over me said, well, why don't you have a guitar? And I told him that story real quick. And he said, uh, we're going to the guitar shop right now. I'm buying you a guitar. And I'm like, nah, we're good, man. You're gonna, it's all good. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm fine. Thank you, though. And he's like, no, uh, get in the truck. We're going to the guitar store. And then he took, I don't know if you know who Jason Lee Jones is. He's a, a worship leader. He's Heidi Baker's worship leader, right? He just, he's an amazing guy took his guitar player with us and took me to the guitar shop and I'm thinking all right this is crazy he's about to spend like 200 bucks on me to get me a guitar and now I have to learn it because I'm uh, I go over to the starter wall and he's like what are you doing over here come here there was a wall of trade-ins 
high-end acoustic trade-ins, like really nice acoustic that people had traded in. He said, this is redemption over here. It's not over there on the starter wall. That's what you traded for. This is what you got rid of. And so they grab a Martin acoustic guitar off the wall. They start playing it, and it was like the top one on the wall. And they start playing it. It sounds really good, and they're like, what do you think about this one? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm thinking that looks expensive. I'm not worth that. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you need a strap too? Grabs a strap. He's like, you need picks. What's your favorite color? I'm like, gray and black. I'm like, <laughs> I like live in black. Not because I'm <laughs> depressed. It's just I like the color. And uh, he grabs a bunch of picks. He's like, you need new strings. The guitar shop owner says, it's got brand new strings on it. And he said, oh, let's get. So he grabs these really nice Martin strings off the thing. He's like, he needs a case. The guitar shop owner is like, oh, it comes with a nice case. And so I walked out of there. The, the, he said, all right, how much do I owe you? The guitar shop owner said, $1,500. He said, all right, cool. And he said, don't thank me. This is God's money because that account only holds the money that goes to God. And so don't thank me because this isn't even my money. This is what the Lord told me to do. Bought me a $1,500 guitar, and I came home with it. I don't know how to play anything. My kids all play, right? $1,500 guitar. I only tell you that story because I want you to realize the kindness of the Father. He is not withholding anything from you. He is not punishing you for any thoughts that you have or any actions that you take. He is waiting patiently in loving kindness. Patiently. He is patient. You know what it talks about love in the Bible? Love is patient. Love is kind, right? All those things. Do you know God is love? And the Bible is explaining all the attributes, the, the natural, the nature of God is what they're describing there. Love is patient. God is patient. Love is kind. God is kind. God is love. He is a kind father. He is a loving father. He doesn't use punishment to teach you good lessons. He'll use anything in your life and turn it into good, right? Like you'll come out richer because of it, even if it was a loss. He's like, look, you experienced a loss, but we're going to make it a gain either way, right? It's the redemption. It's what you talked about this morning. Like he, he, but his kindness is better than we think. And even when I'm stomping around and causing trouble and plugging my ears and yelling back at him and judging him and judging him, he's kind and he's patient and he's good. And the whole Bible is literally, last night before I laid my head on the uh, pillow, um, I hadn't been hearing much because I obviously if you plug your ears not just physically but spiritually <laughs> it's hard to hear and so last night um, I felt like Holy Spirit said read, read Psalm 103 and uh, it, it was weird to read it for the first time again because it was somewhat foreign to me but <laughs> Lee just texted me oh my goodness he said bro I love you no homo just grateful for you this is Lee I told you he's real so I'm going to read it to you <laughs> <laughs> he always says that it's just Lee he said get ready I'm going to start taking you everywhere with me I'm like, he just texted me that while I'm talking to you guys but let me read Psalm 103 for you and then I'm, I'm going to end uh, hopefully I felt like I was supposed to speak this hopefully it wasn't just for me but if it was I receive it but I want you to hear this because I think we get in places I think some of us deal with depression and never share it with anyone we isolate. It's the exact opposite thing you need to be doing, but it's the thing that you want to do when you're in that place because it feels right. It is the exact opposite thing that you need to be doing. When you're sick, if you eat a lot of sugar, it's not going to help you. It's just going to make you sicker because it starts to deplete the good things in your life. 
when, when you're dealing with depression, you try to go for quick things, quick fixes, and do everything by yourself. It's not what you need. You need community, and you need Holy Spirit. This is what I had to learn. I had to humble myself before the mighty hand of God. Like, he waited patiently for me to humble myself. Actually, he humbled me, but let's, let's be honest. But right now, the process is I'm not just fixed. I still have to figure this out walking with him, and I still have to take steps daily because what I was experiencing is still very fresh, and so it still kind of like wants to come back and talk to me a little bit, right? And so this is what I'm experiencing. Family and community is strength that we cannot live without. You are not meant to be a lone ranger. You are not meant to be the lone wolf. You are not meant to be any of those things. You are meant to be in a pack. You are meant to be surrounded. You are meant to be men. You are meant to be with other mighty men. Like that their hands have frozen to the sword, defending the lentils, slaying 800 dudes, right? Like you're meant to be surrounded with that. Why? Because when you see them, you see yourself in them because that's who you're called to be. Women, we are meant to be, we, you, I don't have any confusion. I'm, I, I, I know who I am and what I am. Um, Women, you're meant to be surrounded by other strong women. Not, and this all goes without ego and without contest and without competition. You're meant to be around each other and strengthen each other, not compete with each other. Uh, like, like, just pour out praise upon each other. That sounds weird, right? But it's true. Pouring out upon each other, calling out the identity of who you are, texting each other like, hey, bro, I love you, no homo. You know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. We're meant to be in community. And the next thing is this. You are meant to live in his presence constantly. You are not built to live outside of his presence. You are called to live in his presence, even in the midst of yuck. That is the best place to be in his presence, right? Like that is the greatest place to be in his presence. But our, I don't know why our natural inclination is to push away the things that are best for us and isolate ourselves. And 2020 helped teach us that all over again. Isolate, isolate, isolate. There is death and isolation, and there is strength in numbers. I promise you this. He is good, and he's not judging you. He is good, and he's patient with you. He is good, and he is kind with you. He is good, and he loves you like crazy. He is good, and he doesn't change. Lamentations uh, says um, uh, God knows the frame of man, right? Like he knows how delicate your, even your body is, and he knows that you're like a flower who blooms quickly, and it's, and it's, life is like dust, right? The wind, it says in Lamentations, it says the wind comes and blows and the flower is no more. It's gone. Like he understands that you live this short life here on earth. He understands that your frame is fragile. He understands all those things. And he is good to you because he understands who you are. It says his mercies are new every morning. That's where it says that. His mercies are new every morning. But it's, it's not explaining how fragile you are to depress you explaining how fragile you are so you understand that his mercy doesn't come from your works it says his you are like that and you're like a flower the wind blows and you're gone but his mercies are for from evermore to evermore generation after generation your kids and their kids and their kids that's his mercy which he's explaining that his mercies are bigger than you you don't control his mercies. His mercies are bigger than your lifespan. You don't control his mercies by your actions and your thoughts and your words. His mercy is available no matter what because it's bigger than your, our little lives. But we get so caught up in our own selves and our own lives that we think that what I'm doing has caused God to distance himself from me when the truth is I'm plugging my ears and going because I'm not listening. His mercy is always available. Your actions don't define him. In fact, he defines you. His mercy is available no matter what you're going through. 
His mercy fixes marriages. His grace gives you what you need to walk through it. His mercy fixes re every relationship. Like, the, this is what he does. His mercy will actually give you the grace to truly forgive the people that left the knife in your back and move forward. His blessings are available to you every day. Like, what about what happened to their clothes not wearing out? And he's like, yeah, you're wearing your clothes out. I was stepping outside of the very thing that sustains me. And I think it happens all too often. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about us. I'm experiencing pain, and I'm experiencing depression. I'm experiencing all these things. I want to tell you that in the middle of all that stuff, it's 11.55. Grace for transition. That's what that means. It's 11.55. It's time to change. It's time for transition. But I just need time. No, you don't. You just need the truth. You are not called to be alone. You're not called to go at this alone. You're not called to make a way for yourself. One of his names is literally the way. <laughs> Imagine that. He makes a way for you. His grace makes a way for you. His grace makes things possible that you could never do on your own. His grace, this is what's available to us. And in family, all those things are just multiplied and magnified. And we get to come in here and worship him together because he, we know what he brought us through. And we know what he continues to bring us through. So I'm standing here this morning, very fresh in this. I know this stuff, but I still denied this stuff. And I'm telling you, we do this and we need to just knock it off. I know it doesn't sound like a good answer, but it's true. I had, to, I had to be humbled to realize who I am and whose I am once again. His mercy is life. His grace sustains us. His kindness is toward you. And you know what's on the other side of all those things? Peace that cannot be found in toil. Rest in peace is not meant for death. It's meant for right now. Resting in the peace of knowing that he's got me. It doesn't look good, but he's got me. And my trust is found in him. One of my biggest judgments on myself was, you know, the story of doubting Thomas. I'm, I started doubting the Lord. And I read that story one more time. And you know, Jesus, when he talks to doubting Thomas, he never calls him doubting Thomas once. The writers put that in. He never called him Doubting Thomas. He called him Thomas. Thomas said, I'll believe it when I put my fingers in the holes in his wrists and his ankles. I'll believe it then. The writer put in Doubting Thomas. Labeled the whole story Doubting Thomas. What did Jesus say? He said, Thomas, put your finger in the hole, right? Feel the scars in my arm. Feel the scars. Like Jesus met him right there in what he was asking for. And that's what he did with me and that's what he does with you. We shame ourselves, we beat ourselves up, and he's not in that. This is who you are. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are much loved. His grace is for you, and it is enough. It is sufficient for any need you may have. His mercy is new every single morning. He understands how fragile your life is, and so he's not going to be hard on you. Like, he is easy on you because he understands. You are delicate, so he's not going to be overbearing. He is patient, and he is kind, and he is good, and he loves you. I'm telling myself this right now. That's why I keep repeating it, guys. Can you put your hand on your chest? I told you we'd be done a long time ago, but. <sighs> so, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are slow to anger. 
<laughs> I thank you that you sit in your judgment seat and your judgment towards us is mercy and grace. I thank you, Jesus, that on the cross, your last words were, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. God, I thank you that you understand us. You understand the nature of man. You understand our flaws. You understand our shortcomings. And still you look at us and you say, I love you. God, I thank you that you've got our kids. I thank you that you've got us. I thank you that you cause all things to work together for good. Father, I thank you that you are a good, good father. You are not what we experienced. We don't just have to stand there and take it. God, you are good, and the things you have for us are good, and our best is in your mind, and I thank you for that. I thank you, God, that you want the best for us. Father, I repent for getting caught up in anger and self-judgment. I repent for letting my heart get hard. You know, in toil, the heart starts to harden, but in grace, the heart stays soft. Father, I thank you that even when I was letting my own heart get hard, you, God, were patient with me and you waited. I thank you that you are always the answer. I thank you that you are the cure for anger. You are the cure for betrayal. You're the cure for pain. You're the cure for disease. You're the cure for repetitive sin, which I believe is rooted in an insecurity in the first place. I thank you that your love covers thank you that your love fulfills us. I thank you that your love sustains us. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that <laughs> your kindness is more than we, d we can describe. God, I don't, I still, once again, I do not understand your kindness. It's too good. Father, I ask that you would meet each person in here right in the middle of where they're at. The places that they've never talked to someone about the judgments they have over themselves. We're really good at beating ourselves up. Actually, we have, we have a master, not, not just a BA, we have a master's degree in beating ourselves up. God, I thank you that you're teaching us to put down the weapons that we use against ourselves and start to look into your eyes. You are so disarming, God, and you are so good. So we just speak healing over this body right now. Anybody that's experiencing it, we speak healing over this body. Any mistake that you're carrying that you judge yourself on daily, even though you've moved away from it and the people around you have forgiven you, any of those things, but you, daily you remind yourself of how you screwed up. God, I ask that you would meet each one of us right in that spot and start to show us what you think about that. Your judgment towards us is mercy. Your judgment towards us is grace. Your judgment towards us is kindness. Your judgment towards us is love, and your love overflows. In Jesus' name. Okay, I don't know what to do at this point. So I'm just going to give it to you. I, I got a word for you. So we had plenty of time the last few days to give you a word, but I forgot. So like the first day I'm out, like the Lord gave me this word, and I was like, we spent hours together, like hours and hours and hours talking, hiking, talking more. And uh, so then I thought of it here, and I'm like, well, certainly didn't want to do it public. I didn't know what you were going to share. And I'm like, I'll just hit it on the way to the airport. But you shared very vulnerably. And, um, man, it's like you never took a month off. It's like you never took a week off. Thank you for your heart. But I, I saw the Lord told me that um, the story of Joseph over you and that you were thrown in the pit that you never dug. 
and it's time to come out of the pit. But then he started to bring that illustration to life, and he started to kind of, like, even when he was in the palace, the accusations, they took no merit, but you, you belong in the palace, and your palace time is, is, is now. It's here, and uh, it's time. You're not a slave. You don't belong in a pit. You don't belong in prison. You belong in the palace, and, and with no accusations, like no, 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 no crap, no baloney, all right? So... Then, and then I recall, like, he was the, the Joseph with the coat of many colors. His dad crowned him. So I, I just think it's time to be a son of inheritance. And one, you may have taken off yourself, but I think it's a double portion. And the other, you didn't take off yourself. Others took it off of you. So can you guys just stand with me? We're going to stretch our hands out, and I'm going to just do this prophetic act of just two times in the Bible at least. There was we, one of our, our, our mentors, spiritual fathers, Leif, he talks about sons of blessing to sons of inheritance. And that was a symbol when the coat of many colors went on Joseph, he was being declared like the son of inheritance. As well as when Elijah uh, was, was out there plowing, Elijah put the cloak on him. And it was a symbol. And I just felt like it's time to walk back in inheritance, not just blessing, but inheritance. So will you stretch your hands out to Scott? Maybe one's for you and one's for Lacey. So, Lord, I just, we thank you that they are to walk in inheritance, not just blessing, but inheritance. That, Lord, their, their pit season's over, their prison time is over. They're not slaves. No matter who in their, their last 21 years who have betrayed, backstabbed, spoke ill of them, sown seeds of discord or anything of the like, since his walk with you, Jesus, we just, we remove it in Jesus' name. And we cover him with your coat, with your covering, with your covenant, God, as a son of inheritance, as a daughter of inheritance. We thank you for Scott and Lacey and their family, and that they are good soil. They are good soil, and it's time for the palace. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this guy. So um, if you've ever heard us share the story about a man in Wyoming pulling cacti out of my rear end for an hour, that's the guy. So they, he may have got his feet washed by brothers in the Lord, but he pulled cactus out of my rear end for an hour bare butt. So this, this week we sat no cactus, but we did pluck a turkey together. So he did help with that. That was way, way better than cacti on my rear end. So um, Nicole has shared that story even at Troy Christian's chapel. And um, anyway, she loves sharing stories at my expense. But uh, Scott, we, we love you, man. And we thank you for being here. We thank you for your yes. We thank you for the Lord's journey in your life the last nine months. And we look forward to the next time you come and hearing what's happened since then. And it's going to be good. All right, everybody, you've been prayed for, you've been blessed. We are going to ask our prayer team to come up, and uh, if you need specific prayer, healing, if you, need, uh, if you need to know about Jesus as Savior, Messiah, and Lord, we want to lead you to the greatest decision, the greatest uh, commitment that you'll ever give in your life, and uh, he forgives all, and he, and he died for you to, to be um, with him in eternity. Uh, but if you need prayer, an encouraging word, anything, just come up, but we're just simply going to dismiss, and don't forget Connections Lunch, just hang out for a minute. They're going to be setting up the entryway for that lunch. Please stay if you're looking at maybe making this a home or you just have questions. Uh, we share everything. We don't want you to not know what you're getting into with this crazy bunch of uh, family here. So we love you. God bless you. Thank you, Scott. And uh, we bless him in Jesus' name. See ya.